In today's episode, we open our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 17. Absalom faces a crucial decision, who to trust for his strategy against King David. Ahithophel, his cunning advisor, proposes a swift and deadly strike at the king, but Hushai, David's spy and confederate, counters with a more cautious and elaborate plan. Absalom chooses Hushai's advice, which leads Ahithophel to take his own life. David and his loyal followers cross the Jordan and prepare for battle. Absalom and his army pursue them into the land of Gilead. But who will win this bloody civil war? We're going to talk about that today. Good morning and blessed Pentecost and happy Independence Day, because today is Monday, July 4th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thy Strong Word is made possible in part by a generous gift from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF translates, publishes, and distributes Lutheran books and materials that are Bible-based and Christ-centered and Reformation-driven. So whether it's a catechism, a hymnal, a Bible storybook, or a devotional, LHF provides these resources free of charge to pastors, missionaries, and lay people who need them. So to learn more about them and how you can partner with them in this vital mission work, you can visit their website at lhfmissions.org. That's an S on the end, lhfmissions.org. Well, this morning... As we dive into this text about uh, Absalom and his rebellion and how is he going to counter King David, uh, I'm pleased to welcome my guest. He's going to help us explore Second Samuel 17. It's the Reverend Doug Gribbenaw. He's pastor and a mission advocate at KFUO. Good morning, Pastor Gribbenaw, and happy, I guess, 4th of July to you. That's right. Happy Independence Day. And uh I know after a, a holiday weekend like this, uh, it, it's actually Tuesday. <laughs> it's not, not Monday the 4th, it's Tuesday the 4th. But, uh, you know, these these weeks when we have these special holidays, I, I get uh, tripped up too. <laughs> so, oh, that's a very nice way of correcting me. You're right. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> it is Tuesday the 4th. I'm, and it's I'm great looking to be at here, here with you and, and, and with so many of our listeners, too. I, I hope some of them are, are tuning in, even during the midst of barbecuing and festivities. <laughs> so what better way to, to spend a holiday? Then with you know, God's word. And plus, we have a lot of great listeners who, if they can't be around the radio, they subscribe to the program as a podcast. I uh, I always like to pitch that right after we come back from break because it's a, it's a good thing to remember that there are so many different ways to connect to a lot of the programs at KFUO, including the KFUO radio app. So, yeah, absolutely. So I, I suspect, and I, I'm just guessing here, but I have a feeling a lot of them are going to be catching up after. So maybe maybe it'll be Monday by the time they get around to listening. There to the we episode. go. Hey, Amen. See, best construction, right? <laughs> Well, brother, I'm always happy to have you on. You um, obviously have great affinity for KFU Radio, being the mission advocate and being a pastor. You love being in God's Word, so you're like the perfect guest. So I'm happy to have you on. Well, thank you. You're talking me up quite a bit. Well, <laughs> we before... have some perfect uh, guests with us today to listen in. Amen, brothers and oh, sisters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because KFU Radio, is it's a listener-supported ministry. You know, this is, this is supported by, funded by, you know, gifts from like Lutheran Heritage Foundation, but also from our listeners, brothers and sisters out there who appreciate the, the in-depth study of God's Word, but also the worship services. And uh, and hopefully if you tune in Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., uh, you can join me in the afternoon music block and enjoy some of the hymns, the psalms, the spiritual songs uh, that, that we also broadcast here. So our ears and our hearts and our mouths can be filled with God's Word. I love it. Always be closing. That's there we go. Doing. He's getting you out there. No, but you know, it's right. KFUO is a great ministry. We hear about it all the time. But uh, lest we lest we break into Sherathon uh, spontaneously, <laughs> why don't we go ahead and get into our text today? But before we do even do that, would you start us off with a prayer? Of course. And you know, I I find in our Lutheran service book uh, the wonderful collection of prayers that are for use in our daily lives in church and for all times of need. And so one I love to turn to when we do Bible studies is on page 312 in the Lutheran service book, uh, prayer for before the study of God's word. So let us pray. Almighty God, our heavenly father, without your help, our labor is useless. And without your light, our search is in vain. Invigorate our study of your holy word, that by due diligence and right discernment, we may establish ourselves and others in your holy faith. 
through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Well, here we are. Absalom has returned to Jerusalem, and he is, well, I guess he's pretty much claiming the throne for himself. And, it's uh, such and, a tragic and story. It really is. It really is, because Absalom is a fugitive, and I, we, we covered why, <laughs> uh, and in sort of an uncomfortable, uh, you know, different Having scenario. Having slain his brother, uh, who, had, uh, who had taken the virginity of their sister. And, right, uh, and then is in, and and then goes in hiding, and finally, yeah. you know, it takes a, it takes a layperson, uh, it takes one of the people of Israel to come to the king, uh, to King David, and say, you know, in effect, leading him once again through a story, kind of like Nathan did, of to do the right thing, restore this young man, restore your son Absalom, and David does, and then David, and then Absalom hatches this this plan to steal the throne. Uh, winning the hearts and minds of the people by sitting at the gate and uh, and really culminating now with a, a hostile takeover to take and seize the throne uh, from from the Lord's anointed, from King David. Right. You know, and it's, it's a shame, too, because I don't think a lot of people, once they heard why Absalom did what he did to his brother, not a lot of people blamed him. <laughs> and when and I say a lot of people, I mean, people hearing the story as it's told, they go, Wow, I mean, you know, it's not it's not the right thing to do, but we understand why he did it. And yet David is convinced as you said to to reconcile with him, but Absalom, the damage is all done. Sin that 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 sin by his brother um with Tamar and the sin that then came forth from that when he murdered his brother and then the sin that comes forth from that where David really doesn't do anything to Absalom, but he kind of I guess he exiles him, and now they're reconciling, but it just shows you how the sin compounds itself through this whole family, because uh, certainly not starting with, but but marked by that uh, defilement of Tamar. It's just continuing to snowball, and and, and it's really, it, it, it's almost as if this, this is the ongoing effect of, of David's uh, infidelity with Bathsheba, and then the murder of her husband. And really, it's it sort is. of after that event that, and I think we see it here, not just in chapter 17, but even before, that David has really sort of been crushed by that. And, and it's really almost a shadow of his former self. He's not the, the valiant young man who boldly goes forth to strike down the giant that terrified everyone, but he's really just sort of a passive king. It's almost as if he's paralyzed by... Uh, Oh, uh, by by a guilt, and uh, and really doesn't doesn't take the active action that the once bold king David uh, might have might have done in the past, and so this sort of inattentiveness, uh, or or maybe even just a fear of causing pain amongst his children, is uh, is leading them without a father figure to guide them, and and, and I think that plays a big part in in how his, the sons of David really just are starting to fall apart and fall into sin because they no longer have that the hand of their father uh, to, to raise them up, to teach them in the way they should go. It, it, again, it just shows how sin continues to be so... It's such a cancer, right? <laughs> to Amen. use a, a, a much more understandable term, because it just eats away at not only the individual, but, but families, and here we go, nations, <laughs> kingdoms. And, and it doesn't uh, go away no matter how much you ignore it. No, I mean, no. Sin it, must be dragged out of the darkness and into the light. And, absolutely. And, and God's so David, word, you're, do it. Amen. David is in, enduring the, the punishment that, or maybe punishment's the right word too, but maybe even the judgment, it would be a better word, of God. Uh, but God's still with him, and we see that because as Absalom is conspiring, he's just taken the advice of Ahithophel, um, who the last chapter told us that uh, so was all the counsel of Ahithotel esteemed both by David and by Absalom. They they saw him as one uh, who was consulting the word of God. Like to, to take advice from Ahithophel was like talking to God himself. That's how much they respected this guy's opinion, even, even David. 
And so that's where we begin today with chapter 17, because Absalom has just went into his father's concubines on the roof so that everybody can see it's a it's very much a power play that would have been unfortunately kind of common in this era, certainly not supposed to be common among the people of Israel, but common among the nations around them. And, and now Ahithophel is looking for some more, I'm probably Absalom is looking for some more advice. And that's where we're going to begin. Chapter 17, verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight, and I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Let's pause right there at the end of four. So he's taken the advice from Ahithophel to, you know, visually show the people that you've conquered the throne by taking for yourself in the presence of people uh, the, the king's concubines. So now he's like, well, let me get some more advice. And Ahithophel gives him some well, frankly, some pretty good worldly advice, right? I mean, this is probably a pretty effective plan. Everybody seemed to agree with it so far. And we'll, we'll be honest, this this would have been the prudent and, and expeditious course of action and likely would have then led to Absalom sitting on the throne of Israel. Uh, quite true. And, and in fact, you know, in the previous chapter, you know, Absalom, in defiling the concubines, really, he, he's burned that bridge. At this point, there is... There is there, he's all in. There's no going back. There's no, uh, in a practical worldly sense, coming back and saying, hey, you know what, Dad, I'm really sorry. Now, the truth is, and uh, as one who is the Lord's anointed, to confess our sins and not to justify them, uh, not to sort of rationalize them, but to confess them and say, I'm sinning against you and the Lord. We don't know it since this didn't happen. But what we do know is that David, the Lord's anointed, being a type of Christ, um, and as we see it with uh, uh, with Joseph and, and his brothers, you know that that would have resulted in in reconciliation. There would be forgiveness, and there would still be temporal punishment, but there would still be forgiveness. But Absalom, you know, in our human thinking, he commits this deed, and and there's no going back. It's either I take the crown, or it's going to be the end of me. And so he's really sitting here saying, something must be done with David. And so he's seeking the counsel. And Absalom gives him the really great advice. Uh, take the life of the king. Uh, kill your father and touch no one else. Uh, and in a practical sense, the, the people may see you have the heart of a king. You care for the people and you've disposed, deposed this, uh, uh, this king who is no longer effective. And, the, and they'll follow after you, just as they did when he was in the gate, telling people, oh, if only there was a judge in Israel who would actually care about you and listen to you, and the hearts of the people followed after Absalom. So also here, uh, Ahithophel's advice is to show yeah, they, that you care for the people and win their hearts and minds by deposing the king and the king only. And, and it would be fantastic advice. Cut off the head and take the best to himself. What I find interesting that stands out, too, is, uh, is this echo that we hear in, in the New Testament with another son of David, uh, where the counsel is to seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. Now, in, in the case of Absalom and David, this would not be true. But in the case of our Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, you know, seeking the life of that one man, that we may all be at peace. Uh, with God the Father and with one another. And in that case, it's absolutely true. Well, I mean, amen to that, It was right? so astounding. I had you silent. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about it all, you know, because we, we see here this whole, this whole interaction. When we think of David, you know, it points forward to, to the Christ, right? And we know that he's a type of the Christ. And we see here his son, Absalom, who is in rebellion against him, 
Now, you know, I'm mixing up the Godhead a little bit here, obviously, by making this connection. But and when we speak in parables, as our Lord does, you know, it's never a one-to-one, I understand. <laughs> right, it isn't. But but you see here, we, we do. We have this, this rejection, this we sin against our Heavenly Father, and instead of seeking reconciliation, as we should, our natural natures, our fallen natural natures, want us to uh, try to fix things on our own, try to, try to, to conquer our own sins, try to undo them. David himself experienced that when he tried to cover up his sins with with Bathsheba, and, and uh, deeper and deeper. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and it just continues to, you know, we talk about how should the children be punished for the sins of their father, um, and, and this is a concept in the scripture that is is something that people struggle with, and, and we see sometimes that the judgment does extend to the children, and but I think if we understand that in the concept that, well, because sin is so pervasive and so corrosive that when a leader sins, the people are going to suffer. When a father sins, the children are going to suffer. Uh, when a, when a parent, when any parent sins, you know, the children are going to suffer when children sin, the, the family suffers. And, and so I, I think this is why it's important that we understand that sin, regardless of how it expresses itself, is not just like between you and God. It, it is something because we're in relationship with one another that that we, when we sin against other people, we sin against God, and when we sin against God, we sin against other people. It, it sort of all goes hand in hand. And you know, when when the Lord speaks in that way, um, sometimes He is speaking uh, prescriptive, as in "This shall be," uh, but oftentimes He's also speaking descriptively. This is what will happen. Uh, you know, a, a, a sin-laden family uh, infected with sin, the sins of the father are, are you know, descriptively, apart from God's word that, that crushes our sin and brings us to new life, descriptively, those sins will propagate and continue and persist and fester and grow as they have here in, in David and his sons. Uh, and, and so it's not necessarily, if the father sins, then by golly, you know, I'm going to punish all the kids. Right. As much as it's descriptive, as the father sins, that sin continues and infests and, and, and infects the children, and the effects of that sin continue and persist uh, until the medicine, the medicine is applied, the medicine that is the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. And that is why, you know, in, in, in our, when we quote God's word in, in the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, the, the sins of the father, the seventh generation of those who hate me, right, who continue to be captive in sin showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And, and it's a wonderful thing because the Lord's commandments are not because God is, is a, a dictator who wants to control everything about our lives, but he is the wise father who wants to guard and protect us from injury, from sickness, from death. I tell my son, don't touch that, the hot stove, it will burn you. It's not as if I'm saying you touch it, then by golly, by my power and authority, you're going to get burned. Right, oh, this is right. what happens. And so it's descriptive. And, and so that's, uh, it's a good reminder for us um, that, that the Lord is not necessarily, the, he's not the author of sin, uh, but he does permit our, our sinful choices as we have this free agency. Uh, but he is always speaking to us to call us back from sin, uh, back into his light, uh, back in the forgiveness, and then back into the guardianship of of His command, of His law, that is really there for our safety, uh, and 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 for the wonder of the world. That if we really were to follow God's laws, uh, which we know, uh, apart from apart from our our new heaven and new earth with the resurrected bodies free of this sin, um, you know, if we were to do that, we we truly would have paradise on earth, which is what we look forward to on that last day, the new heaven and new earth. Yes, his laws are good, right, and salutary and for our own good. And, and God, he also provides for us. We're going to see in this text how Yahweh is ensuring that the needs of David and all the people around him are met while he's in the wilderness. But even here we see that God has made it such that even this tactically brilliant plan of attacking David that um, Ahithophel has, has told Absalom about, we know that in their midst is this guy Hushai, and uh, Hushai the Archite, and and he is, as I said earlier, he's like a confederate of David. He's almost like a spy, 
but but a double than, agent, we'll say. Yeah, he's a double agent, right? But more than that, yeah, God is using him to basically give what would be tactically inappropriate advice, <laughs> but it's going to it's going to save the day, so to speak. We're going to hear this next section right now. I'm going to start with verse five. Then Absalom said, well, call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Thus has Ahithophel spoken, shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good. Hushai said, You know that your father and his men are mighty men and that they are enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is an expert in war. He will not spend the night with the people. Behold, even now he has hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place. And as soon as some of the people fall, as at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even the valiant man, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will utterly melt with fear, for all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and that those who are with him are valiant men. But my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you, from Dan to Beersheba, as the sand by the sea for the multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and of all the men with him not one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city, and we shall drag it into the valley, until not even a pebble is to be found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For Yahweh had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that Yahweh might bring harm upon Absalom. So it re we're revealed at the very end here that this advice, which everybody seems to think is better, but as outside observers, we kind of can see, no, that probably isn't the better advice, but we see God's behind it so that he could, I guess, uh, give an alternative, uh, one that would actually lead to Absalom's downfall. Um, but it, it's kind of interesting here because in both cases, what stands out to me is that in verse 4 it says, when we hear the words of Ahithophel, it says, and the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom, and all the elders of Israel. And then here, the same thing happens, right? Absalom goes, yeah, this is pretty good advice, and so do all the elders of Israel. The elders of Israel, I think it's interesting. I, I am assuming that Absalom, when it talks about all the elders of Israel, I guess I'm thinking that's probably just the ones who are loyal to Absalom. Surely there are people in Israel and, and Judah who are, are, are remain loyal to, to David. So, so I don't I don't know what what do we make of that? You know I I have the image in my mind reading this of of the royal court of the sort of the the political animals of the day who are there and 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 serve in the court of the king and the, the reality of a of a sort of political animal is is <laughs> it is a sort of a self preservation thing I will serve who is in power and I will do so that that my life may be spared. So you're finding these people in in this place, and uh, and really the if we're faced with a sort of a coup as this is here, um, how many would would be so fiercely loyal uh, versus how many would serve the <laughs> the king, whomever that may be in the in the time and place? So I, it's maybe not a best construction view, uh, but this this is sort of the the court of the king, the representatives of the city. And and you know whoever is on the throne that that is who will serve, and and in fact we could even maybe a best construction say for the sake of the people that that I'm I'm representing that I'm overseeing uh, that I help to care for, uh, you know don't rock the boat don't don't cause them harm go along to get along if you will uh, with this imposter who's sitting on the throne, um, and, and that's and and that's I think probably the. Uh, maybe the most practical explanation yeah. of what's taking place here. I mean, he's certainly going to surround himself with people who are going to agree with him. You know, you're certainly not going to welcome in the, no, <laughs> so no. he has to be a double agent like Hushay, uh, as opposed to the, the openly uh, rebellious ones who may very well, actually, if you think about this may very well have withdrawn themselves from the court 
uh, and, and, and have set themselves up in their city, uh, sort of, you know, uh, awaiting to see what was going to take place next. You know, it, and it's interesting, too, because Hushai's advice has some some elements of truth in it, for sure. For instance, he, you know, he talks about how, well, you know, David is going to be weary and he's discouraged. Uh, that's what Ahithophel says. He says he's just going to be worn out. He's going to be disenfranchised because of being run out of Jerusalem, which is all probably true. I mean, I think that's a, an accurate assessment of what he's feeling. But then Hushai comes in and he says, you know, your dad is a man of war. You know, and, and he's not going to panic. They're not going to panic. This is these are David's best men. They're not going to fall for this. In fact, you're going to um, you're going you're going to have some problems, and they're just going to basically you're going to make the cause even more uh, even more uh, something that they want to fight for against you. They're, you're going to you're going to turn them into martyrs. Um, and and whether that's true or not, um, it, it kind of it contrasts this notion that all of David's men are just going to flee and then leave him vulnerable to attack. But I think there's some truth in that, right? I mean, it seems unlikely that as soon as they arrive on the scene, all of David's faithful men who have literally fled the kingdom with him are just going to be like, oh, you're on your own, David. You know, no, I, I, th- I think in some ways Hushai is definitely telling, um, he is giving some good advice is what I'm saying. It's not just like all a smokescreen. Yeah, and, and in fact, the the two advice givers here, um, you know, uh, Ahithophel is almost sort of appealing to uh, one sense of Absalom's vanity, in that you have the advantage, you have this momentum, you are the mighty king, and I'll just go take care of this for you as a king would would delegate, and it'll be great. You know, you've struck fear in him because you are so impressively powerful, Absalom. You've got this in the bag. You know, so he's sort of preying on that sort of uh, sense of, uh, of, of self-importance uh, that Absalom has. And on the other side, though, um, Hushai also is playing on this uh, sense of importance of Absalom. You are the king. You must go with overwhelming force and draw together all the peoples and have all of Israel with you, you know, a definite show of strength and, and an overwhelming force to take over, you know, this, your, 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 your father. Uh, and, and in truth, Hushai is speaking historically of who David had been, uh, you know, this, this great and mighty man of war, uh, a leader of men uh, who's worth 10,000, 10,000, right? Yeah. But if we were to sort of step back and I think Hushai even knows this. He's talking up David because of the reality is that David hasn't been that, that great lion, uh, that great bear uh, for, for quite a while. And so he's really having to bolster and build up this idea of, of who David was. And in, in a very real sense, possibly who David can be again because he's maybe not shown it recently. But this is the David, a man of renown, uh, who slew the giant, who has conquered and defeated enemy after enemy after enemy, uh, no matter the odds. And, and there's, a, there's a, a real sort of prudence to it. And one's sort of a reckless abandon, one's a prudence. And, and in truth, both sets of advice could be uh, useful and effective. Uh, but really, Hushai is, is doing this because of the directive uh, that he was given. You know, David says, go back, confound the council. And in fact, David even prays in chapter 15 to the Lord that the Lord would please turn the council of Ahitophel into foolishness. And, uh, and, and so Hushai is buying David time because the reality is David is sort of on the run. He's a little bit disarrayed. Uh, he's, he's not been thinking strategically for quite a while. And, and he does. He needs that time. He needs to regroup. Uh, but uh, in, in, a, in another sense, though, um, I almost see that perhaps David is, it doesn't know what to do. And so he's, he needs that time to, to see what the Lord's will is uh, for him. And, and, um, and, and so, you know, the Lord is continuing to preserve his anointed, David, for the sake of you and I, truly, because we, we know where this line is going to lead, and, and David needs to remain 
but uh, so the, so the Lord is continuing to guide this, and and ultimately that is why Hushai's advice is going to be followed, uh, as as the Lord continues to preserve His people, guiding them to the incarnation of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and and that's really ultimately where it is because we're reading this after the fact. Uh, even though as we go through this text, we can see where the story might have turned. Well, while Hushai, um, you know, tries to get David some time, why don't we take a few minutes to take a break? And when we come back, we'll keep on going. We'll see what happens next. Folks, don't go anywhere. When we return, Pastor Gribbenau and I will keep on going through Second Samuel chapter 17. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend Doug Gribbenau. He's a pastor and also mission advocate at KFUO Radio. Before we get back to our chapter, I want to remind you folks that you're always welcome to reach out to me anytime with your questions or comments. You can find me at Facebook or at PastorBoo at gmail.com. And you know what? Just curious, are you going to be away from your radio this summer? Maybe you've been busy and you've missed a few episodes or... Perhaps you're just looking to take the show on the road. Well, don't forget, you can subscribe to Thy Strong Word as a podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Now, when I bring this up to some of my parishioners, they say, well, we don't, we're not really into podcasting. How do you do that? Well, if you're new to podcasting, I'm just going to give you an easy solution, and that's the KFUO radio app on your phone. You can go to your app store. You can download it, Android, uh, iPhones. You can listen to the station live from just about anywhere, or you can subscribe and listen on-demand to many of KFUO's great programming. And if that's too fancy for you, you know you can also listen live or on-demand at just going to kfuo.org. You're never far away from helpful hosts and knowledgeable guests looking to connect you to God's Word. And I'll try my best to be helpful, but speaking of knowledgeable guests, we're, we're with Doug Gribbenau here. Uh, Pastor Gribbenau, when we went to break, you know, as you said, Hushai is buying time for David. Because David needs to rest and he needs to regroup. The, the truth is, Ahithophel was right. He's, he's discouraged. He's weary. Probably could have been defeated. But there's this uh, military mystique surrounding King David, um, and Hushai is really leaning into that mystique, hoping that it will persuade them, or, or I guess persuade Absalom, to, to, to not attack. In fact, don't just go in with 12,000 men Go in with as many people as you can find. And it doesn't say this, but it's like, take as long as you need to find them, but, but find everybody you can, and we'll all go and we'll defeat David then. We'll, as, the, as the scripture says in verse 12, we'll come, we'll come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and of all the men with him, not one will be left. You were talking about how Ahithophel was appealing to one sense of the of Absalom's vanity. Um, here, explain again. In the again, same way, you know, verse yeah. eleven, we we really see where Hushai is 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 pushing at that vanity as well, uh, because he's countered Ahithophel's advice by speaking of it and recalling the military conquest and the victories and the abilities of King David, a master of battle. And so in verse 11, he says, but my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you right. from Dan to Beersheba. So <laughs> huge swath of land. And yes, it's going to take quite a bit of time to gather those people. As, and uh, that all uh, from Dan to Beersheba as the sand by the sea for multitude. So 
you know, everybody, just overwhelming force, and that you go to battle in person. See, Ahitophel said, I'll just go and take care of this for you. And here we have Hushai saying, you go in person. You become then this mighty king, this warrior, this leader. So he's appealing to that vanity. You want to take David's throne? Well, then you need to become David. You need to become this mighty warrior. And you need to gather your armies and lead them. And so he's really appealing to that vanity, this, uh, this desire for, uh, uh, for Absalom to, to really embody the fullness of this kingship. And, uh, and, and I almost wonder if maybe that wasn't the one line that really tipped it over. You, know, you go and do this yourself by your own hand. You're, you, you're, you're your own man. You're going to do this by yourself. and It's going to be fantastic, which is really you know, false advice, but the advice that, uh, that he's really pushing uh, to Absalom. Oh, Ab, no, I 100% agree with you, because now it's like just, he's imagining, I think, Absalom is, imagining all of these troops, you know, being presented before him as he inspects the troops, and they go out, and he's really playing into his notion of, I like how you said it, you know, you need to just be David, you need to become the king, you are the king, if you're the king, act like a king. But, you know, back in, and you've already brought this up, but it's worth repeating, in 2 Samuel 15, 31, um, you know, David praise. He, you know, Ahith, David was told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, oh, Yahweh, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. As we go through the battles um, from First and Second Samuel, we've been studying all these things. Oftentimes we see, or not oftentimes, but all the time we see that the Lord is behind the victories. Saul rarely uh, referenced the Lord's hand in it all. David tends to always recognize the Lord's hand in it all. And here we see that David has appealed to the Lord, and we are told by the author that the Lord's hand is in it all. For Yahweh had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel so that Yahweh might bring harm upon Absalom. I, I love how that confirms for us that of these two different, uh, I guess, pieces of advice, that even God is saying Ahithophel's counsel was the good one. That's yeah, that, that would the, have that's been the, the way one. To go. <laughs> yeah, you really should have done a surgical strike, take out the king. Um, but but God is behind this now. And I love this, how it says, and the, you know, the counsel of Hushai the Archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. That's what Absalom and all the men of Israel said. So the, all these yeah. men of Israel. I, I, seem a bit of the yes men. Oh, yes, Kate. That's a glorious idea. Oh, you've changed your mind? That's an even better idea. Let's well, I was going to say, if, if somebody wandered in off the street and gave them some crazy thing and the king liked it, they'd be all like, oh, yeah, this is also very good. We should do this. That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, let's keep on reading, starting with verse 15. Then Hushai said to Zadok uh, and Abithar, the priests, Thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so have I counseled. Now therefore, send quickly and tell David, Do not stay tonight at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means pass over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at Enrogel. A female servant was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they were not to be seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So both of them went away quickly and came to the house of a man at Bahurim, who had a well in his courtyard, and they went down into it. And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. When Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, Well, they've gone over the brook of water. And when they had sought and could not find him, they returned to Jerusalem. After they had gone, the men came up out of the well and went and told King David. And they said to David, Arise and go quickly over the water, for thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. Then David arose and all the people who were with him, and they crossed the Jordan. By daybreak, not one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. Let's, let's pause right there. That's at the end of verse 22. Big chunk there. Uh, this is not related to the meaning of the text, but I, I will say something. You know, in Hebrew, uh, especially as people read it who aren't familiar with the way the Hebrew is written, 
there's a lot of repetition. There's just a ton of the story is retold over and over and over again, and sometimes even within the same telling. I have to admire the author of Second Samuel that he sums it up. <laughs> I, I like how in verse 15 he says, Oh, thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom, and thus and so have I counseled. Obviously, that's not what Hushai said. He said to them exactly what he told them, but we have been spared of the rehashing of it because we just <laughs> read it. But that's not always the case in the Hebrew, is it? Sometimes we'll, we'll hear it again and again and again, and it's important when we hear it again and again. But I just thought that stood out to me that he, he just says, oh, and I told him yada, 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 and he told me yada, yada, yada. Here we go, the, the, uh, the, the scripture according to Pastor Boo. Uh, yada, 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 did I well, total I'm gl- cancel. <laughs> I'm glad that Second Samuel yada, yada, yadas us a little bit here because we just heard it. But anyway, that's completely off the point. Um, Hushai goes to the priest. I guess what, people he can trust? Uh, what's People who are loyal to David? Well, and, and in fact, this is this is one who has been sent back uh, with his sons there to be to remain there. They they were trying to go across and cross with David. They're loyal to David. They wanted to go with him. David said, "No, you go back uh, and 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 stay there." And effectively, I need a way to to know what's going on. And so these these men have been placed here uh, for this purpose to to relay this message. So there's sort of an underground railroad, uh, you know, a spy network that David really impromptu sort of set up as these men were going. Uh, and so they're, they're waiting there for this, for this purpose, uh, to deliver this message. And, uh, and, and so that it's, uh, but unfortunately, you know, someone from Absalom's crew, uh, they, they spotted it. And, uh, so, you know, like any good spy novel, you know, they, we have that, that moment of tension where the good guys are hiding and the bad guy comes in are they going to be caught? That's, that's where this is. Yeah. I mean, and, and he tells him to run though. And this is one part that I think is a little bit interesting too. He tells him like, don't spend the night. It seems like if he's saying, listen, this is the advice that Ahithophel has given. He's, he's, he's accepting the possibility that Absalom might just follow Ahithophel's advice anyway. I mean, it's important that they move and keep moving, that's sort of why they're being, you know, giving time. But still, I guess he could just turn up and go surgically attack him. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is is it, it seems it seems like there's some urgency here. Um, and I'm wondering if that's because they think that a Heath Defel might win the day. Well, and the thing is, yeah, at this point in time, we, we don't know uh, which way Absalom's going to go because uh, we we're told, you know, all the people of Israel, all the elders said, oh, that's good advice. Oh, this is also good advice. And so who knows where Absalom's going to land? I mean, really, this is a, a wily sort of fellow. And it is prudent then, you know, David, I bought you time. Uh, he may try to come, so get out of there as fast as you can. He might not. He might follow my advice and gather a whole bunch of people. All the better. Get away. Rally yourself, uh, you know, and get ready uh, for the engagement. So in either case... Uh, but uh, as a as a good spy, you know he gives a, a full report of of all potential strategies and tactics that uh, that Absalom might be employing. And I well, love how he, they're they're uh, they're hidden in a in a well. Yeah. Uh, the the irony is you know, that uh, oh well, see David, he's such a great warrior. He's already hidden himself in a well, and so I don't think it was it wasn't planned that way. But I love right. how. How, you know, oh, David's hidden himself in a well. Oh, the spies who I've sent, well, they've had to hide themselves in a well. Well, yeah, and that's and that's what I think is interesting too about this this whole spite network. Like you talk about it, I mean, they're hiding in a well. A servant girl is using the cover of getting water to relay the information to David. You know, they're 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 sort of hidden in this guy's house that clearly is loyal to David. And uh, I mean, it's it's fascinating. I, I think sometimes people underestimate the impact that the, the, that the true stories of the Scripture have had even on our modern literature. These types of themes are common even in, in fictional stories today, but they have these roots, and, and this is the way people were, were dealing with. These are the way people had to interact, and, and, and we've seen this time and again, and it's just, I don't know, it just gives a, a credence to that these are real people dealing with real situations, but at the same time, um, it, it rivals a, a spy movie. 
Well, and yeah, at the very least, you know, scripture is not boring. We have this preconceived notion. <laughs> it's really not once you dig into it. It's it's better than a lot of spy novels out there. Except for the book of numbers where you go through all the names of who begat whom. <laughs> I have to be honest, I, I have a really hard time getting through the start of numbers. Oh, yeah. Everybody gets bogged down with the begats. And so <laughs> well, um, so we have here there, you know, the they, they left. Uh, the men came up, up out of the well. They went and told King David. Everybody left. All the people who were with them crossed the Jordan. It ends by daybreak. Not one single person was left who um, hadn't already crossed the Jordan. And then verse 23, I'm going to read it alone. It says, When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, and he went home to his own city. And he set his house in order, and he hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Um, that seems like it escalated quickly. <laughs> why, why is Ahithophel in such despair simply because his advice wasn't taken? You know, we, we can, at first blush, you might say, oh, wow, what a, what a vain sort of fellow. He can't handle rejection. But I, I, Atisophel was, was a very wise man, a, a very wise counselor. He had counseled David uh, with, with great wisdom. He was counseling uh, this upstart, Absalom, with great wisdom. And the fact is, you know, Ahithophel knew that his advice was the right one. And likely the, also the only way that this coup was going to succeed. And in many ways, you know, some scholars have argued that this really lends credence to the idea that perhaps this isn't so much all Absalom's doing, but maybe Ahithophel was, you know, saw this opportunity to position a puppet of his own on the throne and really sort of be the de facto king. And if that was true, then... The uh, the fail of this coup, failure of this overtaking is going to be a tremendously uh, unfortunate event for Ahithophel, because there's no there's there's nothing left for him other than state execution. And and so I think in that argument, Ahithophel sees that the coup's the coup's done. Absalom is not going to be king, and anyone who who supported him and rallied against David. Well, there's going to be hell to pay, and so he uh, he takes the way that that uh, that King Saul had done, and he takes his own life. And it's a deliberate thing. This is not sort of an impassioned. Um, I, my feelings are so hurt because people aren't listening to me. And he he goes back to his house, puts it in order, uh, he makes sure that, that you know, everything's taken care of, and then intentionally takes the time to to hang himself. So it's not a not a, a an event of passion but a, uh, a very deliberate, intentional act. And, and, I, and I think really seeing that, that it, it's over, the coup's over, no matter what takes place now, um, he, he's, he's taking the, the easy way out uh, rather, than, um, rather than facing the music. That's interesting. You know, I, I know another perspective was that perhaps he just knew that if Absalom takes the advice of Hushai that it's going to fail and that he would be he would be killed simply because um he didn't I guess change the king's mind or something like that. I mean I know we're this all just your fault. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. I it it just you're right though about it not being you know a it, it not, not being impulsive. Impulsive. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Because yeah, he goes and he takes care of things. Yeah, it just it's it's interesting, and I think it That's also correct. shows a loyalty. I mean, I know that one of your theory or the theory that you proposed was one of maybe a little bit of disloyalty. I also maybe see it as a little bit of loyalty too. You could also see it as he's he's went all in with For Absalom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with Absalom, and once Absalom's dead and King David's back on the throne, yeah, it's not going to be good for him. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, we don't know, but it's interesting that we're told this. Yeah, and um, in, either, in either event, it is, it is tragic. Yes. Um, it, it is, um, because our Lord and, and we Christians, we don't desire the death of a sinner, right? And, and here we have a man uh, who, who is turned away from, from forgiveness. You know, in, in really forecasting ahead, the death of one man, that there may be peace. That was the counsel that uh, the Ahithophel gave. Well, you know, and so the one who betrayed 
the Son of Man, um, he, you know, uh, went to take his own life and hung himself in the field. Um, you know, because <laughs> in a similar way, you know, the death of one man that we might have peace. And, uh, and so it, it's lamentable and it's sad, but it, it is sort of that, you know, the, the son of man, the son of David has to go the way that it's, that it's been written, uh, but woe to them on who, by whom he is, he is betrayed. Well, the Civil War really begins at this point, or it's going to begin, and it it won't actually conclude as far as we're reading the Bible until, like, chapter 19. But I'm going to read verses 24 through—well, through the end, all right? So through 29, um, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll get what happens next. Here we go. Then David came to Mahanim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Now Absalom had set Amasa over the army instead of Joab. Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra the Ishmaelite, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zariah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Mahanim, Shobai, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Barzillai, the Gileite, Gileadite from Rogalim brought beds, basins, and earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, and lentils, honey and curds, and sheep and cheese from the herd, for David and the people with him to eat, because they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. And that's where the chapter ends. Remember, folks, the chapters aren't inspired. <laughs> the, the, the military action actually begins in the next chapter, and we're going to get to that tomorrow. But but here we have it all sort of being set up, right? They're they're now found each other. They're going to war, and I assume by this point that Absalom has done what he was instructed to do. He has gathered an, a very large army from all of Israel. Yeah, he, he's followed the advice, and and now so I I don't know. We're not really told how much time has passed, uh, but a certain amount of time really has to have passed. Uh, for this to take place, and now Absalom is ready to go. So sort of the screen wipe, if you will, in a movie. Here we go. And, and David here is now back in, 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 a, in a place where he has done rightly as the king and, and is now sort of, in a sense, reaping what he has sown. Uh, you know, if, we, if we read in the footnote, uh, Nahash... Um, uh, uh, or Shaboy dealt uh, loyally with David, and uh, and and uh, Machir provided Matthew Boseth, Jonathan's son, before David restored him to all Saul's land, brought him to eat at the king's table. So this is uh, these are people that that David has dealt righteously with, and kingly with, and kindly with, fatherly with, and and really uh, he's in the friendly territory of those who are loyal to him, and providing him with an an abundance. Uh, of 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 really all the good gifts, uh, a kingly spread, if you will, uh, for this king as he prepares then to uh, to engage the usurper. Well, we see here that everything that's going on, God is directing. I mean, God is behind it all, and I think that's the thing that people often forget that no matter what is happening on the ground, the Lord works good for those who love him, right? We see that, we hear that in the scriptures. And so as awful as a, something like a civil war is, God isn't wanting these things to happen, but he certainly has the ability to use these things to provide for the people. And, and you know, I sort of said at the beginning as a teaser, Who's going to win the Civil War? Well, I mean, I say that tongue-in-cheek. We know, not only because we've read the Bible, but we know that whoever's on God's side is going to end up victorious. And the benefits of of the war that sort of begins here, but I guess ends with—, with actually, it, be, it didn't begin here. It began in the Garden. It ends with, with Christ and us being the victors. But it's just amazing to see how these little—what well, we might think is a little skirmish— is so key to God's plan for our salvation. And it's really illustrative of, of all humanity, because th- this is a father 
battling a son, a son battling a father. This is then, you know, nephews and cousins who are who are battling, you know, family. This is a, a, a civil war, and so often in in our in our modern perspective, uh, when when we think of war, we think of us and them, them being something other, uh, the enemy, and that's really the one dimensional caricature that we paint them with. Uh, but a, a civil war is this is you know flesh of my flesh bone of my bone these are these are people whose mothers I know who you know, family gatherings we've been to and it's such a tragic reality but that is that is what our rebellion against God and against the world really is uh, that it's not a matter of us versus them it's it's the sin driving driving us to to injure you know flesh of our flesh bone of our bone. Uh, because it, it comes back down to that garden the first time with with Cain and Abel, uh, and that is so tragic because it is it's brother against brother, uh, father against son, and and sin drives us into this this horrible pain, um, and and we we speak of these names, but you have you know Joab on one side, and then you have his nephew on the other, and they're they're going to try to kill each other, and really if we ta- take a step back. That is how how is that even so? Um, but in this sin sick world, our perspective can be so confused, so blinded um, that that we aren't able to see. One thing that I, I I noticed is the well where where David had been gathered, where uh, where, where Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at Enrogel, um, and and this or excuse me, no, they uh, came to the house of a man at Bacharim. This is where the the well of Siloam is uh, supposedly fed, mm. the stream that comes out of this place. And this is the this is the well where Jesus healed the blind man. Yeah. Right, go wash yourself in this well. And and and, and so it, it, noting that it sort of put a, a color on this whole chapter for me. That it is the blindness of sin that drives us to depravity, to wickedness, to hatred, to envy, to malice, to idolatry. And, and it is only with the word of the Lord, which we are engaging with here, that those scales are taken off, that the blindness is gone, uh, and that we can see with a new vision, uh, which is you know, through the eyes of the Father, uh, that, that loves and desires the good, and the restoration and the forgiveness of, of these wayward children in the midst of this wickedness. Uh, and, and the Lord will compel good to come from our wicked and sin. But even so, it, it is injurious and it's painful. Uh, the Lord doesn't wish to see his children uh, engaged in, in, in sadness, really just you know, in sin. Uh, but but he, continue, he doesn't turn away either. He continues to delve in, and he, and he delves in so deeply that he is incarnate, right? That the, the Lord creator of all things becomes a member of this creation in the midst of all of this to, 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 to just set it aside and to end it forever. The war is done uh, by the Lord's hand through, through wickedness, through death on the cross, so that we might be set free. And, and no longer slaves of this sin and this pain and this sadness, uh, but made, made new, brought up out of, out of the well of baptism uh, to be children of God in a, in a family that is restored and is all about uh, forgiveness and life and salvation. Well, I think that's a good place for us to leave it today, especially since we're at the end of our program. I'd like to thank my guest this morning, the Reverend Doug Gribbenaw, pastor and mission advocate at KFUO Radio. Thanks, Pastor, as always, for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure, brothers and sisters. Happy Independence Day, and, and, and happy, uh, well, just have a happy day <laughs> in the family of the Lord. Amen, right? <laughs> Amen. Tomorrow, which I know now is Wednesday, when we come back together, <laughs> as the war between King David and his rebellious son Absalom you know, begins, Absalom is finding himself entrapped in an encounter that will seal his fate. Spoiler alert, he doesn't survive. Meanwhile, David is torn between his kingly duties and his fatherly love. He's in Jerusalem waiting, hoping for his son's survival. As reports from the battlefront arrive, though, and the dust settles, 
the consequences of Absalom's betrayal, the harsh reality of the civil war becomes tragically clear and David is distraught. All of that in chapter 18 when we come back tomorrow. So until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.